0: Welcome to the Mindful Fire Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. My dad will be so grateful. See you next time on the Mindful Fire Podcast. Hey, everyone. It's Adam. I hope this finds you healthy and safe. And before we jump into today's show, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much to everyone who's watched or listened to the podcast so far. I've been really encouraged by the early response and by the feedback I've gotten on the episode so far. And so I just wanted to say thank you. And if you haven't already, please take a moment now to hit subscribe on the platform you're listening to this or watching this on. This just lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and you'd like to be here when we produce additional content. And with that, again, thank you so much for being here and I hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to the Mindful Fire podcast, where we explore living mindfully on the path to financial independence and beyond. On today's episode, I'm again joined by my friend Morgan Bricka, a muralist, meditator, author, blogger, and podcaster in the San Francisco Bay Area. If you haven't yet listened to our other episode where we dive into her path to financial independence and her experience with mindfulness, I invite you to check that out. On today's episode, Morgan and I explore the idea of craftsmanship, which I think of as simply pursuing and getting better at something for its own sake. In Morgan's case, it's mural art, but we explore today the idea of podcasting since I'm new to the podcasting world and have learned so much along the way. And Morgan has recently become a podcaster last year and did a 15 episode season in which she learned a ton. And so we have a great conversation about craftsmanship. I'm blown away by Morgan's philosophy on investing money and time in developing her skills in the pursuit of craftsmanship. And I'm forced to confront some of my own hangups about money that have prevented me from investing in skills and in help that would fast track my development. And we explore the idea of what is enough and not just in the sense of money, but also in the sense of time, in the sense of effort being put into a particular task and how it's so important for us to ease up on ourselves sometimes, especially in these challenging and difficult times that we face with everything going on in our country and world right now. Again, thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Something I'd love to focus on is this idea of craftsmanship. Obviously, as an artist, you have to get better at producing art. Mm-hmm. So there's a craftsmanship mm-hmm. element to it. And I noticed that in your mm-hmm. bio on your website, you mentioned craftsmanship, but I just really mm-hmm. love this idea of just doing something for the sake of doing it and getting better at it for the love of doing it, what I'm noticing is like you make investments in in what you're working on, right Like you got a podcast course, you got a writing course, you hired a, a copywriter to read it, you hired an editor, and me, I'm like, "How can I do this without spending a cent?" Like, I know that it, and I know that
1: when I'm in that one a lot. I'm in that one a lot, too. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with the craftsmanship. You want to get better in the long run, and that's time and attention. But I'm focused on, like, in each mural. I couldn't have created what I create now in my first 10 years or first 15 years even. So Mm. I, I wasn't capable. And the capacity develops over doing something so that you get really good at it a long time. So there's no sense in... Undo stress on yourself or heart being so super hard on yourself, setting too high of standards in the short term because you're always like, I'm doing the best I can right now, and that shipping you know, ship the product. Seth Godin, I'm a big fan of Seth Godin, you know, and he's good. There is a place for good enough, knowing that we're going for craftsmanship. So when I set up the podcast, it was like, okay, I'm going to do 15 episodes for four years. And then I'm going to decide if it's good enough, if I like it, you know, I have to do a bunch. I'm not going to do six and say, oh, it sucks. Nobody cares. I'm going to give up that's just not going to get you anywhere. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, that doesn't make sense. So it's like, how do I, how can I financially and time-wise sustain that many episodes over four years so that I actually can see if I can get better? I could afford a hundred dollars a month. I was thinking, well, it's taking like 50 people listen to it kind of right off the bat. And so that's just taking a bunch of people to coffee. And you're building, mm. It's, mm. it's just a generosity.
0: The thing about podcasting, this is a side thing, but like, I'm like loving what you're saying. And then I go to think about what I want to ask you next. And it's like everything you just <laughs> said, I missed it somehow. It's uh, so much
1: easier. So this is the first time I've been on someone else's podcast and it's way easier what I'm doing than what you're doing. And I have a will I will, mm. somebody will say a great, um, something brilliant. And then I just have a brain fart and lose my yeah. thread. And it's, <laughs> It's a funny thing.
0: I haven't really started to share my story too much. Hanging back a little bit, letting the guests share their story a lot more. And I've thought about, I really liked your, your 15th episode where you were just like talking about the process and what you learned about something you've been doing for so long with mural artwork. So mm-hmm. yeah, just like exploring this from a place of curiosity. I'm really trying to cultivate mm-hmm. curiosity in my life as a practice, like a mindset that I want to have, because it's really important. It's the
1: core. It's key. Yes, it's great. And the irony is that actually, because of your experience, you're the best interviewer, even if you know everything that somebody's going to say, you know, both terrains, and you can ask the right questions. So I did the same thing with my podcast, like I'm just trying to learn. When I was writing the book, I'm taking a writing class and like, Oh, make sure you know, you do all the research. And I realized all these podcasts that i had done are the research. Like I've talked mm. to the city managers. Like I understand yeah. the public process because I learned about them. Yeah. I didn't know I was doing research when I did the podcast.
0: Right. I, didn't, right. I didn't
1: have it in my head. So, and then the long tail you mentioned is huge. Like you don't have to, I didn't promote them. And then they're just finding, I don't know how. But yeah. You mentioned, you
0: mentioned the long tail. In your email. And like, what does that mean?
1: Oh, it means that um, people, it's not timely. It's not this month's podcast or this Mm. week's. You can find a podcast that's two or three years old that's super relevant. And actually what happens is when people find you, they're going to just, they're going to scroll through and you have, let's say, 15 podcasts. They're just going to pick the three that are most interest, they're most mm. interested in at that time. And they're just going to deep dive and pick the titles and decide after two or three if they want to continue with you or not. But yeah, it's not like the timeliness, like today's post, like Instagram, then it gets buried and you never see it again.
0: That's true. It's interesting. I've been finding that. Like I promote one, you know, I just released one yesterday with another friend I met at a mindfulness related thing. Really crazy story there, but I'll spare you on that one. And I put that out like I just see the other ones start increasing in terms of the plays on the downloads.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, the reason I chose a podcast is because when I think about what am I really learning and changing from and when I hear a deep dive conversation, I'm hearing people think out loud. I mm. mean, when I work, I listen to podcasts. I learn mm. a lot. If I, I can scroll through Instagram and I can't, I'd like, Oh, that's a pithy quote or that's a, yeah, but nothing sticks. And, and then actually, it's just like, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah, it's the same. With a lot of things, yeah. but actually I think human brain is just wired the cadence of a conversation. That's how we've always learned wow. oration and conversation. Mm. And um, so I think it's the most, it's a slow. It's a little more slower and analog. But it's if we actually want to change the world, you know, if you want these ideas to be of service, I think a podcast is the best.
0: I agree. Better I than agree. An essay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's an essay. You have to be sitting still you can't be driving to when you're reading and just people's attention span right the instagram thing yeah. like everyone's attention yeah. span is like as far as like the bottom of their screen to the top of the screen but with podcasts you don't have to invest so much right like i feel like the difference between a podcast and an audiobook is like in an audiobook if you miss something you're screwed in a podcast it's like okay, it's fine. It's the, the whole thing is only a half hour. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I like it a lot. And I actually, you
1: know. and there's one more tip is I uh, really like Tim Ferriss's podcast, even mm. the super masculine, you know, but he, I like the idea that I learned there, which is, you know, how could this be easy? And so deciding when you start out under, you're going to make mistakes and just letting those be so that it can be easy and you can keep moving forward. Like I found that was really helpful for me. Mm. Like, how could I make this podcast go? How could I make this Easy, so I could put it out there, and that's something about a book and an essay is, you know, the expectation of wordsmithing is not easy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm in the middle writing. I know this. I can like cover the same ground 20 times and totally restructure it and be like, what was I thinking? You know.
0: That's how far in the process are you with that?
1: I'm finished with the manuscript, so now it goes, which is like
0: the first draft, and then you edit from there.
1: Uh, i had a copywriter go through and you know paid someone to tear it apart and went through all of those and integrated all the feedback i've had various Mm. people read it integrate their feedback so i think the manuscript poured over it at least three or four times like the finished piece i think it's pretty polished but the piece of making a design that's compelling that you want to hold all that stuff is actually still half the battle and then
0: the design like the cover design
1: cover, the layout, like, how do you engage that physical item? mm. How do you make that engaging? So, and whether I want to do it on my own, you know, I don't know. I'm going to, I've just finished up my book proposal. So I'm going to be open to that, but I don't want to wait forever. So I think I'm going to give it like, if there's not a clear enthusiastic agent, then I will move forward to self-publishing. That's awesome. It's It's all new.
0: (laughs) I I love that. I really do. And I, I really love that in your podcast. I mean, first of all, you just created a podcast because you wanted to create a podcast, right? I'm sure the blog was the mm-hmm. same thing before, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's really cool to see you reinventing yourself in these different ways, exploring the same idea to, mm-hmm. to a large extent, right? You're looking at your mural artwork and your and mm-hmm. art and public art in general from all these different uh, uh, aspects, you know, in mm-hmm. all these different mediums mm-hmm. with different people. And you're probably learning a lot about the thing you care most about in this process.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, the core, the core is the same, which is figuring out that making an impact of being of service are like, I didn't know this, but I've honed away. At like, why do I do, you know, like I'm exhausted at the end of the day, covered in paint, you know, like, why do I do this? And um, what is, why, why am I so attracted to this? This is hard work, you know, and Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's like, um, so understanding that, like making an impact, like the dramatic impact. And then if you extrapolate that and you say, well, am I really making, if that's such a high value to me, how could I leverage that? And so then, mm. and what do you want to leverage? So the podcast and the book were both intention set by like, well, if you really want to make an impact, is it just through painting? or are there other things you can do? So that,
0: yeah. And so what is the impact that you want to make? Right. Cause like making an impact, you can make an impact in a lot of ways, but it sounds like you have a clear sense of what impact you want to make.
1: Yeah. Well, there's two things. And one is that I really believe that physical spaces matter, even in our public spaces, in our homes. And I think murals are just so cool. So there's just that one, which is like, let's... Sometimes artists are don't operate. They have a bad reputation for their professionalism. So if we could just clean that up a bit, and mm. then there was more trust in the industry to trust artists and more people knew how to set up a good contract and how to sort of like... Make that all happen, the more more mural art would get made. like schools are basically distrusting of artists. business owners, like building owners are distrustful of like how's that gonna go? You know, so there's this mm. that needs to be mended a little bit. so that's mm. um that's in getting more art made. And then the second piece is I have felt so blessed by this kind of work, and I think so many. Artists would poo-poo being mural artists because they don't teach it in art school. I mean, traditionally, it's kind of had a marginal reputation. And so people have avoided a lot of artists um, don't consider it a serious medium. So I feel like um, by saying, look, I work part time, I make six figures, I love it. Collaboration is not the worst thing in the world you could make a really good job out of this. You know, if I can help five or 10 artists find their footing, making a living doing this where they're at home in the afternoons with their kids and they are taking off all the holidays they want, it's a Mm. good fit, I think, for a lot of people. So then it's like, well, I could could make an impact because then let's say those 10 mural artists, when I look at the wake of all the murals and all the interactions and how sort of life-affirming the whole process has been, like, wow, I could 10X that by, you know, helping a few people along. That's
0: amazing. Yeah. Because it's not just that one person that you get going or support to get going with their mural practice, right? It's all the murals that they'll make and all the people they'll inspire and all the things they'll learn and then pass on to the next five. It's it's really exponential to some degree.
1: And a mural has a long tail, too. Speaking of long tails, I mean, if you paint one out of school, that's 30 mm. years. How many families, they drop off their kids at school? How many kids run into kindergarten the first day and are just like, wow, this place is fun, you know? I mean, mm. it, it's a small impact, but it, it goes for a long time.
0: It's really cool. I think that's something that came up on your podcast with Alex Cook was really this idea that the more he works, the more he works, Right. The idea that when he went out to L.A. and did a a mural, now more people see that mural. I wonder who made that mural. And then now he has more opportunity to do more murals. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's really something to that. And, And in what you're doing as well with your work in various aspects. Right. With the podcast, with the book right? Like you're just Mm -hmm. putting yourself out there more and more. And Mm -hmm. have you found that that is true, that that brings more opportunity to you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, where's this going? Maybe I missed the mark. (laughs) It's,
1: it's It's just increasing the levels of fun, you know, and the impact you can have. It is so awesome to be an artist sitting at the table with, you know, the public art director for San Jose and talking about like, well, what's the philosophy and what's the approach and Mm. what do artists need to know? And like, I just think, raising your hand and being willing to sit down and get curious is super exciting. Like it's inherently cool just to be engaged. It's not so that like, I, like, I guess when I paused, the answer wasn't, Oh, is that more lucrative or Mm. is that feel better for my ego? Or does that like, I'm trying, I was trying to figure out where that hit. It's great to step in to things that scare you and getting curious as you mentioned earlier, Excite- enthusiasm, excitement, fun, like all that comes to mind with that. I love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and that's awesome. It, it's I mean, not
1: lucrative yet, but yeah. that's okay.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's what you were saying, right? You On the podcast, you were saying, you know, he's planted the seeds for 20 years and now yeah. some of those seeds are blossoming, right? You're that's building true. relationships with, you know,
1: yeah.
0: art directors and people yes. responsible for public art down the road, when they need a mural, who are they gonna think of, you know?
1: They're gonna think of that
0: person that came to them 10 years ago to learn and wanted nothing in return.
1: And the coolest (laughs) thing about that is the the trust. I mean, the hardest thing to build these days is the trust. So if you've worked with someone two or three times, they trust you. So mm-hmm. figuring out the right price or figuring out the design is like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna hand this over to Morgan. She knows what she's doing. We can trust her. So it's much more fun as an artist. You get a lot more support from a creative standpoint, the trust is something I'm always trying to figure out how to get there as quickly as possible so we can just start making something awesome and not worry about it.
0: When you do your podcast like how much editing do you have to do?
1: The way that I let go of that is I hired someone through Upwork to edit and I listen to them and sometimes I, I, I'm just I let it go like oh I think you might have dropped that that might have been important or I don't Mm. really love that but for the most part I try to um let an outside person, like he doesn't know about murals per se, but if it's interesting to him, sure, put it on if it's not. So Hmm. there's a little piece of me that just lets go of that and that it makes it possible for me to continue. So I try to not be a perfectionist. I did the first few and I found I was spending a lot of hours on them.
0: Oh, it takes forever. (laughs) Oh my God, it takes so long. I like this last one I did, I split it into two halves just because I couldn't get through it. You know, and I'm like, I just need to get some progress. I need some like, you know, I need some hits on my Google Analytics to keep me going, you know, like, just give me something.
1: (laughs) I did the same thing. And I split an early podcast into two because I just couldn't get to it. And I think it was about the fourth that I think it's really important to learn all aspects of it so you can produce it, you know, the software, you know what it takes so that you can, it's always good to know. Yeah, I, I would say outsourcing that we negotiated like a long term price of $100 a podcast, And I'm like, great.
0: What comes back to me often is this idea of enough. What is enough, right? And it's like, what is enough money? What is enough time? What is enough effort? Like I spend so much time beating myself up about not editing the podcast rather than just editing the podcast. And also just like when I'm not editing the podcast and I'm tired because I'm working full time and parenting full time and doing you know, numerous projects, it's okay to just chill. Like, it's, an, yeah. it's enough.
1: I think that, we have the same yeah. gremlin inside of ourselves, Adam. You and I. <laughs> I,
0: I think so, too. I, when you were talking in I'm the... find
1: that little guy and ferret him out someday.
0: Yeah. When we, When you were talking in your podcast about writing the book, right? Oh, I need a new computer. Oh, I need to go on this trip. Oh, I need to do this. And then I can do it. And then I'll do it. Like, I totally resonate with... I was like, that is what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> Like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just take care of these things that are easier. Like, okay. And it's just like, for me, it's like running away from something that's important, right? Like I like doing this, right? Like, I don't love the editing. I'm hearing the conversation that I had and re and hearing it again and learning it. And so why am I running away?
1: So there was this moment where I was driving home from work and I always had to work late. I was in it, right? So I worked on the wings. I worked early and I worked late. I was just overworking. One day I got off at five, which was like early for me. And I'm rushing down the highway and there's this clunker in front of me with a ladder on top. And I'm like, God, why do people like that get in the middle lane? You know, <laughs> this guy's going 55. So I'm like, like going to go around him. And I look over and this guy is just chilled out. And he, the side of his car said mural magic guy. And I was like, that's a silly thing to do for work. You know, like who's that guy? But then I was like, gosh he looks relaxed. Like it was like black and white, my energy and his energy. I was rushing home to start enjoying my day, you know, to really relax. I was rushing home and he was just driving on the freeway. And so, you know, that that was interesting. It's interesting I remember that. And I did end up, you know, connecting with him many years later and like saying, hey, I think you inspired me on the freeway one time. The point being that when I started painting murals, I continued to bring my mindset of rush and worry or just like, it's like when you go on vacation and there you are. I mean, the thing is with the fire stuff, people are going to retire and then there they are. And the same person who's there today is going to be there. And unless they really just do the work now to unpeel all that grasping and striving, striving is huge. It's a huge onion that I have. I'm like, I should have, if I had a, Crown, it would say striver right here, you know, like and it's like, no, no, that's not helping you. And being able to unwind that, that's where the mindfulness comes in and giving us that. You're enough right here. You don't have to do anything. And I think that's the psychological meeting ourselves right in the moment. Because I didn't I didn't change. I brought that same hustle, the same long work hours, the same stressed out Morgan driving too fast. When I was five years into painting nails. And I knew it at the time. I was like, why do I keep acting like this? Why am I doing this? You know? I'm painting kids' rooms, listening to classical music, like painting fairies on the wall. But I have no excuse. I have no excuse. So the irony is just always there. And I still feel that, you know. I can retire anytime. Everything is a choice right now. I mean, if I retire right now, my metrics are I'd have to sell the house. So I'm working these years. So that I could choose to stay in this house. and I'm not even sure that's a high priority for me, but the market is 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 here where I can make an impact. not not just for selling, but for painting murals. you know, if I was in a small town, there's a lot of reasons why I've decided this is a great place for me to be of service. So I stay. but I forget all the time that, hey, you know, ease up. It's not so serious. So one of my friends, yeah, we used to run around the track. We worked out together for a few years. I can't even name names because I don't know, but she she had somebody who was also top dog at Google. And she said, doesn't he know he's already made it? He doesn't need to work so hard. He can just start relaxing. Doesn't he understand that? And I'm like... Um, so yeah, I guess it happens at all echelons. You can make it to the very top of the very top and you're still going to be in unhappy urgency if that's your mode. Also, the other thing to say is I live in Los Altos, a lot of wealthy people, a lot of work they don't love. They don't feel like they have the choices, but I will say no matter how much you have, you can always feel like you don't have enough.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And so how did you in your life start easing up a little bit. It sounds like, of Mm -hmm. course, it's going to still rear its head, right? You've got 25, 30, 40 years of practice, right? Of doing that as, as do I. So like, how did you start to ease up?
1: Yeah, it is really, I mean, I've been focusing a lot the last five years. I have ease and joy. Every day I try to find that in my body during meditation. I try to find the points that I start to. It's the how I do everything. It's a it's that's the mindfulness practice. That's like the crux of it. How can I practice, remind myself, return to that throughout the day and also embrace and forgive myself. So actually I'll just throw it out there a book I read this last year that has really made an impact on me is I think it's a really ridiculously banal title. It's called Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. But it's so much about showing up for yourself right in the present. And then you're not projecting and grasping. And you can actually, all those things like just caring for yourself right there, giving yourself that right in that moment and being tender on yourself. Those principles I saw like in the last two years, I've done workshops with her, read the book.
0: There's that investment in yourself again. There it is again. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ongoing, right? And it's every time I, you know, make some progress, then I forget about something else I learned. And then I relearn that lesson, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you were saying, right? With the craftsmanship, right? Like it's a lifelong pursuit. So what's the rush? I'm like notorious for setting ridiculous goals. Like I'm going to work out five days a week. How many days do I currently work out? Zero but I'm going to work out five for sure. And then I don't, then I miss one day and I'm like, I'm such a loser, man. Then I'm just like feeling terrible about of not doing this thing that no one's making me do, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's the same thing with the podcast, right? Like I set this schedule like, oh, I want to release every other week. I just made that up. Why am I feeling all this pressure on myself for something that's supposed to be fun, supposed to be for learning and growth. And then I'm like beating myself up not doing it, which makes me feel bad. And then I don't want to do it because I feel bad. It's like, why am I doing this to myself?
1: Yeah. But what happens is the amount of time that you spend in that space will shorten and it'll lessen. And so we continue to fall in, but you, as you said, you're retreading the same lessons. When you stumble over the aha again, like my 11th grader was telling me her study strategies last night. And I was like, every single point, was exactly salient to the ways that I had tripped up that very day. She was like, start in small increments, you know, don't expect too much. Like, don't be a perfectionist, you know, combat perfectionism or don't try to, it was like everything. I was like, oh yeah, I know all those. And we forget. But also as we go along, we don't, we can't get perspective on ourselves the way that we have grown. And I'm pretty sure that at this point, you don't completely get identified with your thoughts or your fears or, you know, the We're laughing right now. We're laughing at this person and the way we are. That's the first step to recognition. And we don't follow that all the way down to speeding 55 down the road and gripping and texting. And there's some people that can't get any space and spend longer in it and more intense. So that's the progress. And we're probably just further along and it's great. We can laugh at it.
0: It's a great point. You know, like it is really hard to see the progress because I'm in it right but when i think back to how you know how i used to just spend hours and hours and hours just ruminating ruminating i can't believe i said that i can't believe i did that right mm-hmm. now it's just mm-hmm. like oh mm-hmm. there it is again i'm i'm ruminating yeah. okay like and i can it recognize there. it and then just yeah. like okay let me set it aside it'll be back in 5 minutes but let me yes. for now i'm going to put it aside
1: Yeah. And then the self-compassion piece. So for like me, I tend to be very future oriented. So I'm really a planner and I'll ruminate in the future. And so it's part of the reason probably I got, why I got into FI stuff, fire early on, but the self-compassion of going, oh yeah, that's how your mind, that's what your mind's doing to make you feel safe. I understand that there's room for that to be, okay, we're going to time it 20 minutes every day. I'm going to let you just fly forward on your magic carpet and make plans and put it on place. And then we're going to close that and we're just going to be present again. I understand, you know, it's like managing yourself really with kindness and not getting down on yourself. And the tools you learn through meditation, they're just, that's it, right? That'll take you all the way to unwinding everything.
0: Say a little more about that. Uh, what, What tools specifically, like, and maybe talk a little bit about what your practice looks like, if you don't mind.
1: So, I meditate 20 minutes a day. And then the last six years, I've been part of an embodiment meditation group. We meet once a month and then have some workshops. And I take workshops occasionally. And sometimes I meditate more. But I think it's more important if you can start to integrate this, what you're working on throughout the day. So, I'm understanding that the meditation is a training for my ability to stay present and aware of emotions thoughts, there's so many layers to it. You can feel your own awareness. You can feel where things are in your body. You can work into intuition. But the thing is, so I think the thoughts, unwinding the thoughts, that's like the level one of when you start meditating. And when I want to start something new, like when I want to write the book or I want to write the podcast, you can't believe how mean these thoughts are. Who are you? And what do you think you're doing? You don't know anything. This is never gonna work, you know? And it's like to be able to look at those thoughts, kind of set them aside and say, yeah, but are they true? Are they useful? You can separate out. That's how you unwind truth, like what's actually going on in life versus what your brain's trying to keep you safe, just operating off of a default. Unwind that that unwinding goes all the way to the bottom. And then once you, you know, the thoughts being layer one, as you can unwind that and create more space and like you train your attention, that's when you can actually experience aliveness and joy as an inherent blooming within you. The thoughts is where we sort of get trapped, but there's also just a training of steadiness. And you can bring that steadiness into relating, you can bring that steadiness into the tasks. Trusting myself as I paint, you know, I show up to projects all the time. I have no idea how it's going to come out. I don't know what I'm going to paint today. And then I just trust myself. I trust, you know, the experience and it's like this dance, you know, where you're in the present in life. That's sort of the, where the goal is to spend more time in that space.
0: Yeah, definitely resonates with me. The, specifically the trusting in myself and in my experience Not experiences in like my resume, but like what's actually happening right now. Yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking when I think in my head, I'm like, it's like I'm trying to explain myself to somebody, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. But, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, there's some right way of doing it. And some nebulous judge is there. And I'm trying to plead my case to this judge (laughs) that I'm doing it right. And it's just always there. It's just like I keep yeah. coming back to like, what, who am I? Who am I explaining myself to? You know, like
1: you know. Trust do you, so do you know about myself, the Enneagram yeah. stuff? Do you know the Enneagram?
0: I, I I'm familiar. I know of it. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't dove into it.
1: Russ Hudson's been a couple of the last wisdoms. I've been like trying to yeah. figure out when you said you really like to be of service. I'm like, oh, I think he's a two. And then when you said, you know, Um, there's like this judge and everything, it's like, oh, maybe he's a one or maybe he's a one with a two wig, you know, I don't want to get into it. But the thing is, is we also have default personalities that we don't have a ton of control over. And the meditation gives you space to be like, well, that's how I show up. There's other people on the personality chart that you're like, oh, I know those people and I'm glad I'm not like them. Like I feel safe where I am. I feel safe knowing I'm sort of earning my goodness or my merit, like that's that makes sense to my world organization and we can grow with on that within that but the meditation is like that's part of adam that's probably not going to go away and just working skillfully with that just being humble around that and being like there's nothing wrong with that it's crazy i know but everyone has a crazy that's just maybe it's an enneagram personality maybe it's whatever and it's it's not something to fight at all
0: right it's just noticing and yeah yeah Yeah, being curious about it, right? Like, what is this? Oh, there it is again. You know, like for the longest time, like I didn't even notice that, right? I noticed from meditating that there's a self-critic that's there, okay? And then that kind of morphed into like this like idea of there's some right way to be doing things and I'm certainly not Mm -hmm. doing it that way, so I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Then Mm -hmm. that grew into like this awareness of like, oh yeah, like I'm always like explaining, even in my own head, like I'm trying to like be right you know, and explain that I'm right to somebody.
1: You sound like me. I think we're both, I think we're both ones.
0: (laughs) Yeah, is that (laughs) that right? Okay, I'll have to look up what that means.
1: And here's the thing is that every personality has enormous strengths. So figuring out for you on the other side of that wanting to be right things like integrity are really going to resonate with you. We have high ideals. If I said we like as if we're a one, but you know, the kind of personality that beats themselves up and is has a, a hard internal critic is because that's cuz they want to fix themselves before they get anybody else finds out. So, it's like on the other side of that, we are very uh, meticulous with our work and aspirational and driven and there's a lot of idealism that anyway, so with your personality structure, it's like, once you start to embrace it, you navigate it into the healthy zones. And when it gets unhealthy, you're like, that's okay. That's part of the package. That's part of why I'm self-disciplined or why I'm, you know, some other aspect.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. How can people find you online and find more about what you're working on?
1: Oh, cool. Well, I would love to invite people. I mean, you said you've been reading my blog since you met me and I do put out a blog every month. It's about art. It's also about what I'm thinking about. And I think that's a great way for people to get to know me, get a little inspiration. It's only once a month. That's a great place to start. I'm also on Instagram at morgan.murals.studios. That's a good place to DM me and just kind of see visually the kind of walls I've been working on recently. Yeah, and my book is coming out. So if you're subscribed to my blog or follow me on Instagram, you're gonna get updates on that.
0: You also have a podcast, right?
1: Yes! So I have gotten more excited. I've been evolving in my career from residential to more and more public murals. And I see that there's a lot of gaps of information or like mural painting is kind of like the Wild West. It's a new fad, actually. It's it's even in the last five years gained a lot of popularity with Instagram. Placemaking is now like the big word in public. Also now with a political uh, grassroots movement, you know, people really finding voice in their communities, I put it on the wall. So I really feel like there is a, a lot of attention going towards mural art, but there's not a lot of information about best practices, funding, approvals, those kind of things. So the podcast was an attempt to bridge that. So I'm interviewing art advocates, like how did you get mural art into your community? Artists how you do this. Those are interesting. And art commissioners, like the director of public art, stuff like that. And so the book is actually along those lines also with helping artists learn to make a business out of it and best practices. So I think the blog and the podcast focuses on murals and it focuses on Bay Area, but it's much broader than that too. So it's called If These Walls Could Talk, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, whatever.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll put links to your website, your Instagram, the podcast uh, in the show notes for today's episode,
1: Thanks, Adam. Uh, which you
0: can find Thank at you. mindfulfire.org. Thank you so much, Morgan. It's been wonderful chatting with you and I look forward to talking with you soon.
1: Oh my gosh. I'd lo- I've loved this conversation. I could talk to you all day and it's really been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks again to Morgan for joining me on today's show. And if you've got value from today's show, Please make sure to hit subscribe if you haven't done so already. This just lets the providers know you're getting value from the show and you want to be here when we produce additional content. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a five-star review, which helps more people find out about the podcast. And if you'd like to join my mailing list, please do so at mindfulfire.org. Thank you again for joining me and I'll catch you next time.